to it here with Inzaghi again. That might just make them kings of Europe for a seventh time. Two for Pippo Inzaghi. 2007 Champions League final in Athens, Milan 2, Liverpool 1. Pippo Inzaghi, Pippo Mio. Pippo Mio with the doppietta in that game. Um, I mean, first goal deflected and off him. Second goal he rounded Pepe Reina. Fantastic display by the striker. Yeah, and that was only two years after the horror show that was Istanbul. Ma, can we not talk about that sure, if, sure, if you don't way. mind? No, sure, but Inzaghi made the difference in this game. Inzaghi was a top striker throughout his entire career. Bit lucky at times. He kind of lived offside throughout the entirety of his career, but... <laughs> A great player to have in the team, man. Yeah, maybe not with VAR, but at the time it was, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. We saw the return of Milan in the Champions League in San Siro this week. It was probably the saddest game of football I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um, to be honest, I don't want to dwell too much on it. Milan were quite unlucky. Um, you know, the officiating was dreadful. In no, that it was game. terrible. And everyone's saying, you know, I was listening to a few podcasts, I read a few articles, it's always the same story, the same narrative, you know, Milan robbed, Milan robbed, Milan robbed. It doesn't matter. Two games, no win so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, Of course, it's still early, many points to play for still. Um, But one thing remains, one fact remains rather. Uh, Milan have not won a Champions League without a Maldini on the bench. This is the air. Yeah. On the bench or on the pitch, at least. Yeah, Daniel's there, of course, and that's the perfect segue to the first game. A hundred percent. So the first game was Spezia 1, Milan 2. The battle between Motta and Pioli. So this game last season didn't exactly go to plan for Milan, uh, as they lost 2-0 uh, at, uh, away against Spezia. Yeah. Um, this time around, a certain Daniel Maldini started. We're just talking about him. And he scored in the 48th minute. Um, and that was 13 years since his father last scored for Milan and 60 years since his grandfather last scored for Milan. It's so poetic, absolutely beautiful. Um, and he said himself he's not used to scoring with his head. You know, mm. he never scores with his head, apparently, for the Primavera, at least, because this was his first goal for the senior. Yeah, team. well, he took it really well. He beat the defender very well. He got into position. It was a brilliant cross by Kalulu, and he nailed it in. Keeper got a hand to it, but couldn't keep it out. Yeah, incredible. Incredible goal. So, it was really wholesome, man, as well, seeing Maldini yeah. celebrate that massive smile on his face. I've never seen him smile like that. <laughs> never, true. ever. Not even when he scored, not even when we made Champions League, nothing. Not even on his fifth Champions League that he won in the game we are just talking about. But that was Maldini's goal, so I'm really getting used to Milan kind of leaving it late. So, yeah. at first, it was a point of criticism from my end, but now I'm starting to understand that against the smaller teams, maybe you kind of want to feel out the process before nailing them. Yeah, perhaps. Um, There are no easy outings, you know. um, The games that tend to have early goals tend to be goal fests, to be honest with you. That's true. And Milan did a great job of containing that. I mean, Spezia did look dangerous. They did manage to get a goal back through Verde uh, in the 80th minute where the ball deflected off Tonali and went in. Quite unlucky, but it kind of was coming. Spezia were pressing at the time They deserved the goal, but um, nothing Milan could do about that one Mm. in particular. Yeah, exactly. But there was one thing they could do about it. They brought Brahim the Dream on and four minutes after he was introduced... 
He scored a goal, linking up amazing with Salamakers. Um, yeah. Linking up amazing with Salamakers. He linked up really well with Salamakers. And I just love that deadly trio behind either striker, really, man. Three 22-year-olds with Brahim, Leao, Salamakers. Leao and Salamakers on a definite contract. Obviously, Leao was signed to replace Cotrone. Um, Brahim, on his final year from his loan uh, from Real Madrid, looking likely to return to them in 2023. Really hope that doesn't happen, man. Really hope that doesn't happen either. Um, yeah, they complement each other perfectly. Those three, of course, Salamak is the more industrious yeah. of the lot. Even though they all work hard, you know, the narrative that Leao is lazy, of course, is um, mm-hmm. is no longer viable, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're finally starting to see con- goal contributions from those three this season. Yeah. It looks like they're all really confident. I really hope it, it keeps up for the rest of the season. Uh, that pushes Milan up to second place now, two points behind Napoli. Spezia, on the other hand, uh, just escaping that relegation zone in 17th place with four points in six matches. Yes, Mbala and Zola clocked the highest speed, 35.56 kilometers. He played pretty yeah. well. He was all right. I he mean, looked dangerous for, yeah. for once. He was off the turkey, but that fell through and he remained at Spezia. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Okay. So, would you like to introduce the second game? Of course. So, the second game was Inter 2, Atalanta 2. Wow, a massive wow. game. Of course, here we have the defending champions, Inter Milan. Um, they were on an 18-game winning run at home in Serie wow. A. And it came to an end as they drew with Atalanta in this four-goal thriller. I mean, if it were going to happen against a team, it, it has to be Atalanta, the derby of the Nerazzurri. Of course, of course. So, it began in the fifth minute, Lautaro Martinez scoring a goal, a beautiful assist by Barella, of course. Zeko was holding up the play very well in the middle of the pitch, and he was rather fortunate when his pass deflected off a defender and found its way to Darmian. Darmian, of course, played the ball back to Barella, who overlapped intelligently. Um, we've seen him do this a lot yeah. this season, Barella, with yeah. the overlap on the wings and finds himself in these crossing positions yeah. and he just whips them in. Yeah, um, he whips in a perfect cross to Lautaro who volleys at home. Bro, Wonderful. he smacked it. Yeah. He smacked it. He was he coming in that so much panache. You, he, know? You, you need to be confident with something like that. He was running so fast into the box to get on the end of that. And then he just whacked it in full force straight into the top corner. Fortunately, nothing Musso can do about that. Yeah, then in the 30th minute, there was a Malinovsky equalizer, the 28-year-old Ukrainian. Um, this was thanks to Atalanta's press, and to be honest, it, yeah. it looked like it was coming. You know, they were suffocating them at this point. Yeah. Um, Malinovsky never shies away from striking from a distance due to the fact that he's got a rocket in his pocket. Mm. Am I right? <laughs> um, he does so, and he beat um, Handanovic 1-1. Yep, Malinovsky is looking more like the player we want to see throughout the season. Yeah. He's taking shots, man. He's doing really well off the set pieces. He's really con- been contributing to the team. Um, I'd like to see him slotted into that more attacking midfield role, but he could definitely do the role as a central midfielder as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and typically, we only see him play well for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But this time, you know, he got going quite early on. Hopefully, he can have a consistent season because he is fun to watch a hundred percent man eight minutes later so the 38th minute toloi the 30 year old italian also brazilian apparently <laughs> um scored the goal yes uh, malinovsky was given too much space yet again i believe it was devry who was a bit slow to yeah. press you think they would have learned yeah. from the first goal with a simple touch he beat him and he smashed it into handanovic who parried it into toloi who volleyed it home 
Okay. Yeah. This is um, this was sorry Toloi's ninth goal for Atalanta since 2015. Not too bad okay. for a centre back. No, not too bad at all. Especially a centre back of his nature, people don't think he's great going forward because he's a bit maybe of a stocky and non-mobile kind of defender. But we see him doing well as right back for for the, the Azzurri as well. Um, so I, I definitely like Toloi. I think he's the best defender that Atalanta own. Maybe, um, you know, Palomino gives him a run for his money last year, of definitely. course, there was Romero and Demiral is settling in quite nicely too. Um, there's well. definitely competition in the role. Not to mention as well, um, Lovato. Yeah, Lovato. from Hellas Verona. We haven't seen him though yet, or we haven't seen much of him at least. No, no. But he'll be good. He'll be good once he's slotted and I'm sure he'll get his time this season. Definitely. So it was the 71st minute where Zeko eventually equalised. Um, a Darun clearance found its way to Perisic, who did well to play to Barella. And once again, there was the overlap. Barella then picks out Di Marco, um, who passes with his outstep, making it look really simple. Di Marco shoots, Musso saves, it falls to Zeko, and he has an empty net. And he just scores. He won't have many easier goals than that one. Nope, but that's his presence. It's what they signed him for, essentially. Um, right place, right time, physicality, strength. So, pretty much playing his part there, and he's on fire at the minute, man. Definitely. In the 86th minute, Di Marco, of course, missed the penalty. Um, Skyed bro. Yeah. No, he hit the crossbar. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, no, I mean, I wouldn't call that skying it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Dumfries whipped in a ball to Zeko, but it was Demir- Demiral's arm that got in the way. Of course, it stopped um, Zeko making contact with it with his head. Um, he was lucky to not get booked for that or even sent off. It looked quite intentional. I thought he knew what he was doing there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But Di Marco, um, basically, Inzaghi took responsibility for it, saying that the decision was his, that in the morning Chalanoglu and Lautaro tried penalties, but um, they had already come off, and he only had Di Marco and Perisic, who had shot penalties that morning, and apparently Di Marco seemed sharper. I mean, these things happen. You could have the, you could have a Ronaldo taking penalties. He's gonna miss yeah. one every now and then. Unfortunately, it was his first penalty for Inter, and he made a bit of a hash of it. And it, it was a very important one. It would have kept them in second place as well, and uh, it would have been a big confidence boost to beat to beat Gasperini's Atalanta. Definitely. Um, Di Marco said he was happy with the way the Curva and the team consoled him afterwards. Um, you know, this happened right after the Curva also unveiled a banner showing support to Handanovic, who has yeah, been terrible. That. Okay, they <laughs> said, head up and chest out, Samir, the North is with you. Ah, That's pretty cool. Except yeah. for Milan fans. Yeah, that, but I yeah. bet they're begging for Onana every night. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's close, Fabrizio Romano. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fabrizio Romano <laughs> said it, that it's true, so yeah. Onana's just signed for Inter, guys. <laughs> So, in the 88th minute, more drama. Piccoli scores, everyone's losing their minds. I really like him. Of course. Um, but apparently, VAR ruled it off because there was a, an infringement in the build-up play. Apparently, okay. when Handanovic went to kick the ball in the build-up play, the ball had crossed the line and was out of play. Ah, yes. Yeah. Ah, yes. So, so, that's one thing Handanovic got right when he, you know... Didn't mean to, but I guess he kind of saved their asses there. Um, not well, yes, but um, it was technically his fault that the goal went in. Um, Piccoli shot it right into him yeah. and it went, it went <laughs> under him and slipped under him and went Just into let him. me give him the benefit of the doubt, man. Yeah. So, so basically, um, Atalanta looked to overpower Inter the same approach they usually go for, and they suffocated them at times. Atalanta took a few long shots as well. 
Um, perhaps they were encouraged by Gasperini due to Handanovic's poor form. Yep. Inter didn't shy away from attacking Atalanta down the middle. Um, they also did the whole Barella overlapping thing yeah. over and over again. Yeah, this was, was a gorgeous game stylistically. So you have two very attacking teams. Uh, we've seen Inter way more offensive than they have been in the last few years as well. Atalanta obviously is their nature to try to overwhelm teams. It's it's how they get the job done consistently. Um, so seeing these two absolute titans face each other in the Nerazzurri derby, um, it was very exciting, man. And I mean, 2-2, uh, a missed penalty, a disallowed goal. This was a joy of a game to watch. Yeah, and they had the most top-scoring chances in match day six, both of them, with eight each. You know, that's, Wow, man. It was a great game, great game, action-packed. Of course, Inter currently sit third in Serie A with 14 points. Four points from Napoli, who are first, and Atalanta currently sits seventh with 11 points, the same as Lazio, who are in sixth. Yep. Um, seven points off first, but just one point off the top four. It is tight, My tight, God, tight. It's very tight, man. Still early days, but very tight at the moment. Mm. Another game that didn't shy away from entertainment whatsoever was Genoa against Verona. 3 uh, 3 was the final score between the game between Ballardini and Tudor. Um, so, even after this game, there still hasn't been a single victory uh, at home for Genoa. Um, but we did see improvement in, that, in those three strikers as well. We saw Lasagna as the keeper, we saw Simeone scoring and winning a penalty. Um, and we also saw, obviously, Kalinic get yeah. a couple of goals in the last game and a goal in this one as well. What's going on, man? It's so weird, Eddie and Eddie finally, finally <laughs> get, getting something right. Um, but in the eighth minute, uh, Simeone scored a header after a lovely Faraone cross. Um, it was really good work by Illich in the middle, who absolutely tore Maximovic a new one. Um, played the ball wide to Faroni, who whipped it in. Simeone, brilliant header, man. Beat yeah. his man, got to the ball. Bottom corner, super. Um, in the 49th minute, so in the second half, uh, Simeone went down in the penalty box. And after a VAR check, uh, the ref concluded that it was a penalty and Barak smacked that home. In the 77th minute, this is becoming a bit of a theme now. Yeah. Krishito gets his third goal. In as many matches, all of them from the spot, he is Genoa's second top scorer behind Destro. So at the time, he was the top scorer. Uh, but then Destro decided to get two goals. One through a header after Ravella set-piece. It was a brilliant goal. And the second one, one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen, is he scored with a bottle in his hand. Yeah. Do you know why? Yeah, apparently, <laughs> he, was, he was taking a water break and um, the play continued and he didn't know where to throw it. He didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> so he just got the ball, you know, he took his man on, he beat his man beautifully. He's holding the bottle in his hand, he scores and he throws it into the crowd while celebrating. I love, gorgeous. I love how he incorporated it into his celebration. That's just such a character, in my opinion. I've seen him play all over the place. Um, so this was against a very inconsistent Hellas Verona side, but take nothing away from him. Uh, five minutes were added on towards the end of the game. At this point, Genoa fans were fucking riled up. <laughs> so they, they, were, they were two goals down. They get them back to 3-2 in the 85th minute. You'd think it's done, but... You would be a fool to assume so, as in the 91st minute, Kalinic header after a Cesale cross his third goal in two games. He's really picked up the pace, man. Yeah, I had this game as part of a bet slip, oh, and I was tempted to cash out when I saw that Genoa were getting destroyed. Um, in fact, I posted my slip on Twitter and everyone was like, rip, rip, rip. 
<laughs> but thankfully, thankfully, Genoa came back. They were actually winning, you know. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm safe now. And then, of course, Verona with the equalizer Wait, at but the did, end. Did you not get the... Did you do win or win or draw? I did win or draw. Ah, X2, if yeah. you did win, you would have gotten the 2-0 cash out. That would have been, yeah, that would that have would been, been mental. Crazy. We'll keep that in mind for the future. But guys, we do not promote betting. Betting is for losers and broke people. Uh, one thing I'd like to mention uh, on the topic of Destro. So Destro came up through the rankings originally at Inter. So he joined Inter's Primavera uh, system. Uh, he played there for a number of years. And in 2000, and let me make sure I get this right. In 2007, he was their second top scorer behind a certain Mario Balotelli. That's fucking crazy. Remember that guy, man? Yeah, I remember that guy very well. He what recently a had a, a bit of a crazy moment in Turkey. Recently? Yeah, yeah. He's always he, had a crazy moment. He scored a crazy goal and looked at the opposition bench and pointed at his skull because oh the, the manager who was managing the other team had previously said that um, Balotelli has no brain or something. Ah. So he remembered that, he scored and he pointed at his brain basically. What a bitter, bitter yeah. man. But I love Balotelli, man. He'll always have a place in my heart, especially after his stint at Milan. But in my opinion, a game like this would be, I think both teams would be disappointed. I think Verona more so than Genoa. Um, sorry, I mean Genoa more so than Verona after they got that, that comeback. Yeah. Uh, but I guess when you're in the bottom half, especially in the bottom quarter, where both these teams find themselves, the games they need to win are against teams who are also in the same situation as of them. Of course, yeah, so these if, games are vital. Yep, so if 16th place is playing 14th place, both of these guys, they, they have to win. Yeah, that was the same thing we discussed with the Salernitana-Verona game last exactly. week. Exactly. Yeah, that was vital. You know, a lot of them are ending in draws, which is mm-hmm. quite risky. But it's going to lead to... Uh, an interesting finale, definitely, um, later on down the line. Yep, so a thrilling game, and I really enjoyed watching this one. Genoa now 16th with 5 points in 6 games, and Verona 14th with 5 points in 6 matches. I'm really worried about Verona, but trust the process, we'll see where this takes them. Yeah, and the next game, we've got Juventus 3, Sampdoria 2. <laughs> 5-goal thriller, so I'll run you through the goals real quick. In the 10th minute, Dybala scored a great goal, of course. He's so overrated, man. He scored a crazy goal and went off crying. (laughs) Dickhead. Yeah, no, it's it's true. This is his problem, you know. It's not exactly his fault, but, you know, he's not consistent enough. I I get what you mean. He can't complete a season. I get what you mean. The talent is there. It's very obvious. You'd have to be stupid or blind to not... No, I, I I get yeah. you 100%. It's, there's nothing more frustrating than having a talented player who just keeps getting injured. Yeah. And I follow, I follow Real closely. Gareth Bale was like that. Michael Owen yeah. was like that. It's, it's always a nightmare. Yeah. So, basically what happened in this Dybala goal, Sandro's cross to Chiesa was cleared well by Colli, but only as far as Locatelli, who received it just outside the area. Locatelli shot, but it was blocked by Thorsby. It fell back to Locatelli, who decided to pass it to Dybala this time. And Dybala beautifully what shot it. It was so controlled. On the turn, the area. half yeah. volley, left foot. Bottom corner. Beautiful. Yeah, beauty! Yeah, beauty! In the 43rd minute, Bonucci scored a penalty. The end. <laughs> Bro, he, we saw him take some good penalties for Italy, Italy as yeah. well he in the Euros. Them. He, can't them, he can't hit them. Yeah, like, you sense. know what I find funny? He does that celebration where he points mm. to his face. 
I would drop that. The mouthwash thing. Yeah, I don't think he remembers what he did with Milan against Juve when he went up to the fans and did the exact same celebration. It's a bit of a fuck you to Juve fans, Bonucci, I would drop that if I were you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he'll take your advice there. Yeah, um, but yeah, we've seen centre-backs hitting penalties. We've seen, you know, Romagnoli and Kier. DeMarco. DeMarco. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Go to bed. <laughs> So yeah, basically, yes, um, I believe it was Chiesa who won the penalty, um, he took a shot which was blocked yep. by Muru's hand, um, Muru got a yellow, Bonucci stepped up, sent the keeper the wrong way and scored. Cool as you like. Yeah, in the 44th minute, Yoshida scored an assist by Kandreva, of course this was a training ground corner kick routine, Kandreva played it short to Muru who released it back, um, Kandreva whips it into the far post and Yoshida heads it, Bonucci Nowhere to be seen. No, probably yeah. still celebrating that yeah, goal, I guess. still, you know, pointing at his own face. Or he didn't want to be the only centre-back to get a goal in this game. Yeah, he's generous. In the 57th minute, Locatelli scored. Um, there was nice a nice bit of interplay between Chiesa and Locatelli, but the ball eventually found its way in front of Colli, who had time. I believe yeah. he had too much time, because he was going to yeah. clear it, he realised he had time, and I think he hesitated. And he decided to try to play it out the back. Instead, he passed it directly to Kulusevski, who did well to dribble Thorsby. Brilliant job. Yeah, and to find Locatelli, who scored in an empty net. Um, Audero had rushed out to meet Kulusevski, leaving the net yeah, completely Yeah, no exposed. blame to Audero whatsoever. He had a great game. But yeah, he no, he's, he's a great goalkeeper. One of, the best, one of the best ones in the league, in my opinion. He's had a few blunders this season so he's had two so far he he had the Brahim one I remember yeah. where where the ball literally rolled underneath him I remember us talking about the second one I can't quite remember I exactly can't quite remember exactly right occurred. now yeah, but but, uh, but he I mean he, the pros outweigh the cons way too much when it comes yeah. to out there and, I think. and he's only 24 years old which is extremely young for a goalkeeper oh there is 24 of course, he's a Juventus Primavera product that's ridiculous, yeah, man. Yeah, there was some dodgy shit when he joined. <laughs> okay. But anyway. Classic. Yeah. Let's keep going. In the 83rd minute, Kandreva got a goal himself to wrap up a brilliant display by him, you know, just running up and down tirelessly. He's so impressive, this guy. Kandreva, stop. Yeah. Like, we're, we're fucking praising you every week, man. Yeah, he's I'm he's doing tired bits. Of doing this. Same here, man. More compliments than here, Jill. Damsgaard <laughs> received the ball outside the area and played a clever direct ball to Adrian Silva. Adrian Silva squared it to Kondreva in front of the defensive line and he scored. Juventus get their first home win of the season. Okay, Now, in my opinion, Allegri's greatest strength back in his golden days at Juventus mm-hmm. was to close out games. Okay. 1-0, 2-0, yep. game over. over. Game, game over. over, you're done. Mm-hmm. What's going on? So, alright So, I don't know exactly what's going on Juve have been struggling It's no secret And now we've seen them win two games in a row Okay, they, they conceded four goals in two games But they managed to get six I think the main thing I've noticed In Juve getting better than they were at the beginning of the season But I mean, still match day six, but whatever They're finally biting back So the second they concede a goal Not the second, but they're getting a goal back then they concede another one, then they're getting another goal back. So I think the willingness to want to play in the Juve team and the confidence the players have to represent Turin in, in black and white is finally there. And I think they're doing a, a better job when it comes to that. They're more dangerous than they were. But there's still some underlying issues. I mean, you shouldn't be conceding two goals against Spezia or two goals against Sampdoria. Yeah. 
Yeah, even though they have proven to be competent teams. Yeah, you know, over the board. Um, but yeah, I think that as long as they're getting the wins, that's all that matters. Um, Allegri said this. He said, you know, we, we just need to win, no matter how it's done. We need to win. Yeah, it's uh, a process, he said that man. Against Spezia, I believe. Yeah, it's 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 an entire process. I mean, they started off losing games, and now they're. You know, kind of getting three points here and there in a non-convincing manner, but doing it nonetheless. In a couple of games, we'll see them racking up some goals yeah. and doing bits. This game saw Perrin playing his first game of the season. Of mm-hmm. course, Samp had five shots. Three of them were on target and two of them were goals. I do not think that that's Perrin's no, fault. No, 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 no. Um, the one save Perrin had to make was actually pretty good, but I think the defense needs a bit more organization, personally. 100%. I think they're still adapting as well to yeah. that four-man defense. They normally, they used yeah. to play three at the back. Um, so they're adapting to that, having two center-backs, so it's rotation between Delict Chiellini and Bonucci. Yeah, they're used to having all three there, which is quite a yeah. solid defensive line. Uh, it's a mix of young flair and, and a lot of, you know, experience, which we saw with Italy as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a whole process. You need to give them time. I mean, they didn't give Pirlo time. They didn't give Sarri time. If there's one guy they're going to give time, it has to be Allegri after yeah. all the success yeah. he had with them. We saw Juve switch to a 3-5-2 to close the game out. Um, it did not work out very smoothly as um, Kandreva scored a consolation goal. But yeah, that's at least they, they, you know, they tried. They have that at their arsenal somewhere. Uh, the next game saw Empoli win at home for the first time this season uh, against Bologna with the 4-2 results. So the first three games for Empoli at home, they lost all of them. They beat Juve and Cagliari away, however, and now they beat Bologna at home for the first time ever. So this game started off with a banger instantly in the first minute as Bonifazi put the goal back into his own net after a great Henderson cross. I'm really starting to like Henderson. He's having a great moment in every single match thus far, and I'm excited to see more of him, 100%, the Scotsman. Um, in the 11th minute, Barrow got a lovely, lovely goal from the edge of the area as he whipped it into the far post at the bottom corner after a great ball from Olsen, a very, very clever assist by him. In the 20th minute, Arnautovic failed to score from the spot after he hit the post after De Silvestri won the penalty himself. Uh, 31st minute, Pinamonti scored his first goal of the season thanks to Astajanovic assist. Bayrami then followed up with a penalty in the 54th minute after Pinamonti won it. Pinamonti had a very good game here, contributing quite a bit. The ex-Interman. Yep. And in the 76th minute, Arnautovic had a good finish after a De Silvestri cross for his third goal of the season. And then 91st, Ritchie with a brilliant low drive from outside the area, placing the ball into the bottom corner. Um, this game was a bit of a crossbar challenge. I think we had, we we saw the ball hit the post on four occasions. Uh, it was around three times for Bologna, I believe, with Arnautovic um, hitting hitting it twice, and Zurkowski hitting it once for Empoli. Um, Bologna are currently in turmoil, aren't they? Um, The sporting director has resigned, giving a bit of um, relieving a bit of the blame off of Mihailovic's shoulders. But there are whispers that um, the next game will be decisive for Mihailovic's future. Apparently, the sporting director said that um, this Bologna team is not competitive enough and he feels responsible for it. What do you think? So he said, well, he said uh, there are sources saying that he has some health issues himself as well. So yeah, really, yeah, that, that's okay, that's what that. I've read. Um, I well, I, I certainly hope that's not the case, and if so, we wish him the best from here. 
Um, so he currently, well, he, he looked after Bologna and Montreal and he's had a bit of a history looking after Lazio, Palermo, Roma, brief stints at Inter at Sampdoria. Um, he did say that Mihailovic is not exactly under threat, but like you said, the game, the next game would be quite decisive. Yeah. Um, I need to check who the next game is against, but I believe it's quite a tough one. I think it's Lazio. Yeah, perhaps. This is Walter Sabatini we're talking about as the sporting director, by the way. Yes, it is. So I'm just going to Yep. The Bologna at home to Lazio at 12.30 in the afternoon yeah. fixture. So Apparently there might be a change of formation. They might bring in Thiete to play um, as a centre-back in a three-at-the-back formation. Oh God, don't try anything crazy, bro. Save, I save think it might yourself. be worth it. I think it might be worth it. Well, we've seen Lazio drop points against, against you know, Cagliari, so maybe it'll be this, a similar effect against Bologna. Um, Empoli, bro, looking really good. They're up to eighth place with nine points in six games. That is not bad at all for a newly promoted team. Not bad at all. Shadows of Benevento last year. We'll yeah, see if they can keep this up. Of course, um, Benevento on the second half of the season only registering one win, and that was against Juventus, and they eventually got relegated. They Even though did. they weren't the favourites to get relegated. They did. It's a completely different story from Bologna's side. They got off to an okay start this season, but we've seen them slip up. And one thing I have to point out is it's not that they're not good enough, but they should be much, exactly. much better. They've had Mihailovic for a while now. It's only the sixth game of the season. And if he continues to perform the way that he does, I'm afraid we're going to see another situation where a manager was sacked very early on during the season. Yeah, um, of course, Mihailovic last year, they've had him for a while, but he's not been exactly healthy for them. Yeah. He's been unfortunate due to his um, leukemia. But but yeah, I, I think he deserves the time he's getting, but we'll see. We'll see where they decide to go with this. Mark Arnautovic, 13 shots and 13 touches, sorry, in the attacking zone, the most in match day six. Hmm. The next game was between Sassuolo and Salernitana, which ended 1-0 to Sassuolo. This was their first ever meeting in the top flight. Started from the bottom, now they're here. Yes, sir. Now, Sassuolo entered this game coming off um, three consecutive defeats, while Salernitana came off of earning their first point in that 2-2 draw to Verona. Respect. Now... Dionisi um, relied on Muldur to replace the unavailable Tolian. Castori without the injured Ribery. Um, he moved to a back four and lined up Costanos behind the Juric and Gondo tandem. So this was the fourth showdown between Dionisi and Castori. The yes. fourth act, yes. Um, the current Sassuolo coach at home has never lost to Castori okay. and has obtained a win, um, Empoli's resounding 5-0 win against Salernitana last season in Serie B. Oh. And the draw, yes, Castori's success came at home. Um, Salernitana 2 Empoli nil on the 37th match day of the Serie B championship. Interesting. Yeah, um, so basically Castori doesn't seem to fare well uh, against Sassuolo, you know, losing five out of his eight games against Jesus. them. Jesus. None Good of them man. in the top flight, of course. Now, um, this game was won thanks to a 54th minute Berardi goal. All the work and all the credit goes to Jeremy Boga over here who twisted and turned his way around Mamadou Koulibaly and Norbert Gyomber. He destroyed them. <laughs> okay, and he chipped it to a totally unmarked Berardi who just headed it in. 
Um, quite a few notes I would like to mention from this. Of course, Sassuolo are quite wasteful. Dionisi, after the game, conceded that Sassuolo are not as clinical without Caputo. Um, stating that they should have closed this game off earlier as Salernitana had some dangerous chances later on and boy did they, um, especially Sin- Simi later on in the 84th minute I believe with an open header and he skied it. Wow. Yeah, he also said that his team deserved the victory, of course he's going to say that. Um, <laughs> now, for me, Fratesi, Fratesi mm-hmm. um, he's 22 years old, right? His final product leaves a lot to be desired at the moment. He had a massive blunder in the second half when he tried to play the ball back to um, either Kirikes or Consiglia. I'm not even sure. But it went to no man's land and Bonazzoli backheeled it and it was rolling and it was going to be a superb goal. But um, Rogerio cleared it off the line. And we mentioned that about Fratesi when we were watching, was it the under 21 Euros, I think, yes, it watching was. Italy. And he's a, he's a really good player, especially for his age. He, he's ahead of, ahead of his years. He's, he's a mature player. He plays the ball nicely. He's quite strong as well. But yeah, I don't really like seeing him getting forward too much. Um, I think it's, it's a question of... It's not even his decision-making. I think it would be his technical ability when it comes to striking the ball and hitting, hitting the ball on target, basically. Now, that's what I think as well when I look at this guy playing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he doesn't have the technique to score. You know, his finishing leaves a lot to be desired. But in Serie B last year, he made the team of the season. He was on loan with Monza. He scored eight goals and got two assists. Now, that, you know, that probably reflects the player that he's meant to become. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so quite a crazy know. stat. I, did, I didn't know yeah. he got eight goals last season for Monza. Yeah. And he's been around for a while. You know, he made his professional debut with Sassuolo in 2017 and was replaced by Politano in that game, by the way. Oh, throwback. What a, <laughs> what a throwback. Yeah, crazy. Um, many individual er- errors, as I've mentioned, um, committed by Sassuolo. A far from convincing performance, but alas, three points, and that's all that matters. Inter up next. We're going to be there. Yes, sir. So... Let me tell you guys what we're going to do. So just before that, so the game's at 8.45. So we're going to head to the stadium at around 5.30, find a bar close by. We're going to get drunk and watch Torino Juve. And we're going to head straight over to the stadium. So if you guys have any suggestions on what we should do and yeah. all that, let us know. Um, yeah, we're quite fun. So, so give us all your suggestions, even if they're a bit loco. Um, (laughs) Terrible Terrible. The next game was between Udinese and Fiorentina So in my opinion these are two of the most improved sides from last season Barring Napoli and Torino I think these two teams have taken a massive step up Um, A very convincing performance once again by Fiorentina It was a 16th minute Vlahovic penalty that got the job done Mr. Reliable when it comes to the spot Um, so that was won by Bonaventura. VAR uh, recognized this as a foul after Wallace, Wallace. tumbled over him in the in the box. I think um, one guy I'd like to point out, rather than pointing out the obvious Vlaovic and the impact he has on this team, is Dragovsky. He was always a great goalkeeper, man, but he's fantastic now. I think he's within that top five uh, goalkeepers in Italy region at the moment. He's a tough motherfucker to score against, man. He is, especially on penalties. Uh, He's great at those. He really commands his defense. I mean, I would not like to step a foot wrong if there was Dragovski behind me screaming at me, 100%. With that beard. 
My God, he's turned it down now. He looks a bit, he looks a bit gentler, but but still scary as fuck. Um, so Udinese three losses in a row, but against top sides, I still think that they're doing pretty well. Um, I mean they are in thirteenth place, but you know they've they've had very tough opposition to play, and and it's not like they lost. Well, they did lose four 0 to Napoli, so bar that. Um, but it was a close game, the, the Gotti versus Italiano showdown. I think, you know, Fiorentina in fifth place now with 12 points in six games. I think we're going to see them stay within those top seven. I think so. And I hope so because they play very attractive football. You know, they're fun to watch. They're very fun they to do. watch. You heard something about Vlaovic recently, no? Yes. Um, Comissa has come out and said that um, he's frustrated with the way Vlaovic has been, of course, um, handling his contract situation. Mm. Vlaovic is on the final year of his contract and he seems to be running it down. They can't make any progress. And um, Comissa just wants to know, is this guy going to be here? Shall I plan for the future? He also mentioned that... Um, in about three days, um, Vlaovic makes as much as he used to make in a year <laughs> when mean. he was his age. Yeah, so, so you know, he said, I'm, I'm not sure um, what football has become or what footballers have become, rather. But, you know, this is a theme. We saw it with Donnarumma, we saw it with Chalanoglu, we're seeing it with Kessie, we're seeing it with every Milan player, apparently. Yeah, nowadays. but hopefully this would work in favour of Milan if he doesn't, you know, renew or yeah. if he leaves in January. Um, look, we, we've, we've praised Vlaovic a lot for staying at Fiorentina, yeah. um, but in hindsight there's nothing worse than playing out your contract and not giving um, your manager or your team the comfort of knowing what your next step is. Yeah. Granted, maybe he doesn't know himself what his next step is, but I'm sure him and his agent have been lingering here and there. There's a lot of attraction. Yeah, it's such shit though when you when they say things like I only think about the pitch. No. Like all right, simpleton. So, like, <laughs> really, that's what you only think about <laughs> the pitch. That's it. Oh man, Fucking shut up. Yeah, but you know, hopefully we won't see that happen with Kessie. Uh, for the sake of Fiorentina, I mean. The least Vlaovic can do, if he's going to leave, is give the team a bit of a payday. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they deserve that much. So if you're going to leave, leave in January, at least. And let them know from before, so they could sign a striker in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. In Jan, I don't think he'll leave in January, of course. Um, his contract's till the end of the season. Well, if I had a player that either is going to stay till July and leave on a free, or I could lose him in January, make at least, you know, 40 million for him, yeah. 30 million for yeah. him. I, I would do that and, and get a replacement for him. Of 100%. course, it depends if there are any competent replacements available because not many replacements are of Vlaovic's level. You know, Fiorentina might want to say, hey, we'll see how how high up we can finish the season. Yeah. And, you know, we'll maybe lose if there's a, maybe, maybe we if there's can a get bonus. Europe, maybe we can make the conference league. Who knows? You don't, you never know. Yeah, but you always need to set yourself up for next season, don't you? I mean, yeah. if they lose Vlaovic on a free... That, Okay, they're they're you know they're losing his wages and, and you know the Italiano yeah. doesn't seem too pleased about I mean Commisso doesn't seem too pleased about the wages that he's spending on him, but you're losing potentially an eighty million man. I think yeah. any of the top four teams would pay eighty million to have him in their team. Yeah, hundred percent. And Commisso at the end of the day is offering him more than the likes of Rui Costa. Earned mm. at Fiorentina, which Jesus is, Christ, which is crazy. You know, well, that's but a anyway, sign of the times there as well. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to mention from this game? No, not about this game in particular. I mean, Udinese seemed pretty bright as well. So, I mean, them not getting a single point in this game. 
could be a bit, you know, questionable and maybe slightly against the run of play as well. They're a very good and compact team. Um, but Fiorentina the better side overall. And these are the games that Fiorentina need to win if they're going to maintain that top five spot. They're definitely on the right track. Yeah, and I think Udinese still feel the lack of a striker. I think Pusetto doesn't quite cut it. You know, they've had Okaka in the past not good enough. They've had Lorente, you know, not good enough. Mm-hmm. I think they need they need a striker. They yeah. need someone who Delafo could play the ball too, man. Yeah, Delafo had the most dribbles this match day by day with eight, eight dribbles. Nice. But anyway, the game, the big game of the weekend. Mamma mia. Yeah, the. Derby della Capitale, the 165th Derby della Capitale, <laughs> Lazio okay. 3, Roma 2. It kicked off at 6pm local time in the Eternal City for the first time in 55 years. Neither starting lineup featured a Roman-born player. Whoa, yeah. okay. But the 30,000 bloodthirsty fans made sure to remind everyone of how grand an occasion this was. Where's Zaniola from then? That's a fantastic question. We'll I find he out was and let in, you know. In inter- no, he was ah, definitely in Inter's from, from, youth from system, Milan, so probably. he might be from Milan yeah, or somewhere yeah. in that region. But not from Rome, basically. He's got he's got the hair of someone from Milan, Zaniolo. I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he also has the hair of a Roman, no? You'd imagine... A I guess, Roman, yeah, I guess. He's got the balls of a Napolitan as well. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Dire Straits opened up... <laughs> Money for nothing, tricks for free, Zaniolo's song. Um, when he's injured, <laughs> when he's in his hospital bed. You Stop know. it, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Okay, the TFOs were lovely coming into this, of course, and this was a Sarri versus Mourinho special. Um, it started off, of course, in the 10th minute when Lazio seemed to be patiently and harmlessly playing the ball around at the back when suddenly Luis Felipe charged up a low, long ball to Immobile, who one two it with Savage, once again, Savage with the overlap. And he played it to Felipe on the wing. In the meantime, Savage was attacking a pocket of space. Um, and Felipe Anderson gave him a perfect ball. And Milinkovic Savage bravely, but I mean bravely, went for the header and scored. Like colliding with Rui Patricio. Um, you know, people were worried. Everyone was worried. In fact, the celebrations were kind of cut short because of Milinkovic Savage lying on the floor. Yep, the first thing I think of when someone gets whacked in the face and they're on the ground for a while is, Jesus Christ, are they choking on their tongues right now? Yeah. So there's definitely <laughs> an element of that, but the man's a, a tough motherfucker yeah. and it was just a, a knock on the head and he was fine after yeah, that. Yeah, he got up and he played on the sergeant. Yep, but okay. he is... As pivotal as he is in the midfield, he is such an aerial threat, man, Milinkovic Savic. Definitely, definitely. He's he's an all round. Having him and the mobile. You can't ask for from, more in from the corners yeah. and a Cherby as well. That's mental, man. They they're definitely a dangerous side when it comes to the aerial aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So in the nineteenth minute, this was the craziest ah, thing. Honestly. So Pedro was the last player to score in the Derby della Capitale and he scored for Roma, but of course he was not included in Mourinho's plans, so he joined Lazio. Now this is this is crazy, of course it's written in the stars, right? Similar to the Maldini thing. Um, Cristante played the ball over the top to find Zaniolo on the box who goes down way too easily appealing for a penalty in fact this whole time during this whole action Zaniolo screaming for a penalty. <laughs> Luis Alberto lends the ball to Pedro actually just gives it to him um, and Pedro immediately turns up the pace you know he starts charging forward he's in his own half at this point he gives the ball to Immobile who has no support and he still has a lot of work to do Um, Chiro takes it as far as he can and releases it perfectly to Pedro just outside the area who casually but I mean casually 
finishes it in the bottom right corner. What a goal. So this is goal. pretty much the opposite of what I was talking about with Lautaro. Lautaro was moving at all that pace and getting that pace behind the ball with his shot. Pedro was charging at the ball and he managed to place it beautifully. That takes a lot of skill and Pedro is still one of the most technically gifted players I've seen a lot and a lot of raw talent there, man. When he has the ball at his feet, it's like he's walking and running normally. Yeah, and it's crazy what he can do with, with a moving ball, how he can place it and direct it so so cleanly, you know. That was that was a crazy goal. 100%. Course, shortly after, Zaniolo struck the bar from a very two corner. Of course, Roma are so dangerous on yeah. set pieces under Mourinho. I'm going to talk more about this because, in fact, the next goal in the 41st minute came from Ibanez from a very two corner. Now, one thing I want to talk about is Ibanez's positioning. He starts at the far post, very close to the goalkeeper, yeah. and kind of runs in front of the keeper and moves outwards mm -hmm. and stretches his head out and heads the ball forward, kind of the opposite run that you would traditionally see. Yeah. And they did this in the 41st minute and it worked, um, of course, Ibanez with the goal. They tried it again shortly after and it didn't work this time, he skied it, but it's crazy how, how these routines yeah, work. They, We've they even seen it him. with Cristante, with yeah. the, with the exactly. balls exactly over the exactly. top. These, these Mourinho routines are extremely dangerous and I'm sure coaches will be looking out for them. Hey, yeah. these are these are the the situations where you get an edge over team where you just can't get a goal and then you get a set you get a set piece and you have someone like Ibanez in the middle or you have someone like Veretout and Pellegrini standing over the ball you have a hundred routines to yeah. work with and Mourinho just flourishes at that man. Yeah. I remember him signing at Debayor at Real Madrid just so he could get the at the end of these. Yeah. Or Drogba says, "Give me Drogba." <laughs> Um, Mourinho, of course, at 2-1, looked at the fans, pointed at his watch, saying, calma, calma, calma. Yeah, okay. In mm -hmm. the 63rd minute, Lazio with a counter-attack, um, Felipe Anderson scored another immobile assist. Immobile held up the play beautifully. He was wasteful this game. He missed a couple of chances, but his hold-up play was next level. Yeah. This one in particular, you know. Um, so Alberto had the ball in his half and he released a low, long ball, classic Luis Alberto, <laughs> between Ibanez and Mancini and he found Immobile. Now Immobile is one-on-one. -on -one. Um, he cuts back in front of the keeper and he beats the defender as well and squares it to Philip Anderson who has an empty net. I mean, there are two defenders on the line, but it's yeah. pretty simple, pretty straightforward for him. A sweaty goal. Yeah, sweaty goal. And he scores, you know, 3-1 um, Lazio. In the 69th minute, Woo. Veretout scored the penalty. Of course, it was Zaniolo who was charging and shooting into the box like the animal he is. <laughs> he miskicked the ball and fell over. It was a blatant dive. The referee gave it. VAR doesn't exist. Everyone's stupid. Yep. Um, Reyna <laughs> guesses right, but Veretout scores, of course. Um, Veretout, that's a Veretout special right Yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. Zaniolo looking much better than he was at the beginning of the yeah. season, man. He also forced Reina onto a great save when the ball yeah. was pretty wide for him to be having a shot over there. But on his right foot, he did a great job of sending Reina flying. It was a great save by him. But it's good. It's so good to see Zaniolo performing, man. In, in an ideal world, he would have never torn either of his ACLs and he'll be competing with Chiesa and Berardi for that top Italy spot on the right wing. I think he's still there. I think he'll be fine. Um, but it depends, you know, two ACL tears is not a joke. <sighs> Terrible, absolutely man. Right. Poor guy. Yeah, it was interesting to see Lazio played the 4-3-3, the traditional Sarri 4-3-3, but tended to shift to a three at the back at times during the game, being more direct, being more, um, yeah, 
pro- pragmatic. Yeah, as a would team. this would this be a conversation between Sarri and maybe the directors of the club? Maybe with Sarri implementing his four three three so highly, and the team being used to having three at the back playing the three five two or the three five one one rather. Um, it could have been a conversation between the players, between the directors, and yeah. and between Sarri himself. I think more than that, Sarri knows that Inzaghi was a long term manager over mm. there, so some of the the you know the philosophy he's instilled there is still there and it's very much alive and the players are still very yeah. much capable of you know imposing this and they did at times and it's yeah. super effective and it catches them off guard you know when when you're going 433 you know then 352 it's like what's going on what, yeah. what are we defending against what what have we prepared for because bear in mind it's still the same team pretty much uh barring barring the signing of pedro and the release of correa to winter it's the same starting eleven, pretty much for for Lazio. I mean, they play three in the yeah. midfield, but it's the same midfield three they had last season with Leva, Savic, and Alberto. Um, up front, Immobile is still there. Um, uh, so Philip Anderson. Philip Anderson. He, he returned. He's already been there. Yeah. So um, he'll he'll get the Inzaghi system as well. So it's good yeah. that they're capable of bringing out what they had in them last season. Muscle memory, I mean, for the players as well. Instinctiveness. So. Yeah, it's good that Lazio have that to their arsenal as well. And not to mention the acquisition of Zakani. Oh, yeah. Like, that could be massive. That could, could be, be massive for Lazio. It could be. He, no. he is the kind of player, and, and I mean, he finds himself in a certain system as well that will take adapting. Um, but I'm pretty sure Zakani could adapt as well. He's a 28-year-old, um, you'd call a 28-year-old, a veteran. Um, I, I guess I'm at the peak of his career, yeah. really. So he's he's he'll be capable of you know adjusting both mentally and physically. And I'm excited to see what he'll what he'll do for Lazio in the future. Me too. I think he deserved the big move, and this is this is this is it. Deserved. After the game, Mourinho decided to have his team talk in the middle of the pitch in front of thousands of people. Um, you know, showman. He wants he wants the cameras on him all the time. He wants the cameras and, I mean, aren't they filming some kind of series as well? Are as they? Well? I don't know. So the, so no, that was with Spurs last game. season that Mourinho was doing. And he was like, will I watch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he Apparently, he hates that shit and he didn't want it in his yeah. dressing room at all at Spurs. Um, but he flourishes at it, man. Like, like we said, he's the ultimate Bond villain when it comes to managers. And he's certainly a character that, that would attract viewers. So, I mean, when it comes to ticket sales, when it comes to the following of the club, he'll definitely do a great job over there. Not that Roma would exactly need it with their with their fan base, but they did have a couple of disappointing seasons. So it's great attraction from Mourinho. I think he's using his his marketing mind over here. So excited to see to see more of that. Yeah. On to the next. So Napoli two. Cagliari nil, absolutely no surprises there. I'm actually a bit surprised that it wasn't more from Napoli's end. So, so Spalletti versus Mazzari. Obviously, Mazzari still in the beginning of his new career at Cagliari. Um, Napoli have secured their sixth win in a row. Cagliari yet to win a single fucking game. And with the team they have, very surprising. Um, I think, much like I mentioned with Verona, they're a very inconsistent side. They do have quality. All around, all around the pitch, but it doesn't seem like they've learned to utilize it yet. Yeah. And I mean that def- that that defense against Victor Oziman was never, never gonna go well for Cagliari. <laughs> so Oziman charges the defense so well, and that's what got him the first goal in the eleventh minute. It was yeah. a great assist from Zielinski from the wing. It was great work by Anguista, who actually released Zielinski on the wing. He held up play nicely and released him. Um, 
And in the 57th minute, Ozyman won a penalty very much in the run of play, um, which Insignia converted by smashing it into the top corner to the left, to the right-hand side of the goalkeeper. So it just seems to me like every single player in the Napoli team, from Mario Rui to Insignia to Zielinski to Elmas when he's playing, to fucking Rahmani, they're all performing their guts yeah. out. They're all doing so well. Listen to this. Okay. Top passes completed from every single match in match day six. Number one, Amir Rahmani That's for funny. Napoli, defender 140. Number two, Fabian Ruiz, Napoli, 88. The fuck? Number three, Andre Anguissa, Napoli, 85. Number four, Di Lorenzo, Napoli, 79. I'm actually gonna vomit. Koulibaly, 72, of course, once again, a Napoli player. These, this is crazy. This is crazy, you know, they absolutely dominated them. It's very much, I mean, the way they pass the ball around, you'd still think it's Sarri days, but it's not. It's not. It's it's fucking Spalletti's Napoli, who play the ball around just as nicely as they did in Sarri's days, but they just have more fucking strength and more balls and more passion. They all seem really proud to be representing the south of Italy. Yeah. Many of the long-stay players there have had um, coaches like Sarri, as you mentioned. They've mm-hmm. had Gattuso. So it's like they've had different styles, different mentalities, different systems they've had to work with. And now, of course, they have Spalletti, who's, a, who's notorious for finishing top four. You know, he's a, he's a top four dog. Like, if you want to get Champions League, you get Spalletti in. So, you know, I think they're on the right track, I think, of course. You, you all know I, I've said I have them to win. Yeah, three. I mean, yeah. They, they, they couldn't have gotten off to a better start. That's six wins in six matches. Then their goal difference must be something crazy because they're banging goals in for fun and they're barely conceding goals as well. Yeah. Um, 14 o- goal difference. The highest Inter have 13. Jesus Christ. What's, what's Milan's? Um, nine. 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 Yeah. Okay, pretty much expected, really. Yeah. Anyway, shall we move on to the final game? This is the final game, right, I believe? Yep, it is. So, the last game was a Monday night game. I enjoyed this one. Um, Venezia won, Torino won. So, this was the 40th match between Venezia and Torino in Serie A. Wow. Okay, Serie B and the Coppa Italia. So, not just Serie A. (laughs) (laughs) Talk faster, of course. The Granata have won 14 of the previous 39 games. Of course, drawing 13 times and losing 12 times. The last time these two sides met was in 2005, of course, April 2005, and Torino won that game, in fact. Now, Torino, in my opinion, are feeling the loss of the injured Bellotti and Zaza. Of course, this is not only my opinion, this is pretty obvious because they don't have a striker, you know. Um, It took them... To the 56th minute to score Josip Brekalo with a single assist Of course Brekalo is the Croatian On loan from Wolfsburg They have an option to buy him Gigi played a nice long ball to single Who does very well to enter the area And squared it to Brekalo Who slotted it home First goal for him And he needed that You know the fans were very happy with that one They won't forget it very quickly yep. It'll help him settle 100% brilliant by single as well He's been playing really well for Torino It's always great to see yeah, um, Venezia weren't bad at all. Of course, they were quite wasteful. Okereke especially was missed a few chances, you know, especially yeah. the chance on Chernigoy's cross. I, I, do, I don't like seeing Okereke starting the game. I, I like him coming on as a bit of a jolly, as a, as a substitute. He has some flair and he does have a goal in him, but he's pretty... 
pretty clumsy in my opinion to be starting the game and setting the tone for the entire team. Yeah, I don't think he should be the reference point up front. I yeah. think Henri, if he decides to be a bit selfless, a bit more selfless, yeah. will be better, definitely. Are you choking? Yes, I, I burp, thankfully. Nice. Now, in the 78th minute, again, it was Gigi <sighs> who gave away a penalty. Another one. Another one. Okay, um, Vanya Milinkovic Savage causing a stir. You know he enjoyed. Yeah. He really enjoyed like pissing everyone off yeah. over there, holding the ball for too long, getting up in the referee's uh, face. This this he took loves that stuff. Yeah. Got booked for it. This, this took a bit of var, and the, the yeah. entire time he was just Vanya was was just Staring in shit. in Aramu's yeah. face the whole time. Literally, um, basically yes, um, Aramu took it. Um, he hit it to the bottom left corner. And Vanya Milinkovic-Savic actually got a touch to it, but it was not enough. Now, the crazy thing's about to happen. In the dying moments of the game, it's 1-1. Kian had a free kick for Venezia, and he forced a save from Milinkovic-Savic. So he shot, Milinkovic-Savic saved it, he spilled it, and somehow the ball ended up at Lukic's feet, and he unleashed Mandragora. Now, Mandragora received the ball at the halfway line. He had to run the full half. So he's sprinting. He's not particularly the fastest player. He's quite industrious, but he's not particularly fast. He's sprinting, he's driving, he's driving. He gets in front of the goalkeeper. He shoots. The keeper saves it. One point for Torino. One point for Venezia. Minus 10 euros for Drake. And minus 20 euros for the Fennec brothers. <laughs> I was so pissed with the arm goal, but um, I think Milinkovic Savic with that save that you mentioned, yeah. he won you 0.5 points in Fanta, which won you this match today as well. Yeah, all we do is gamble, guys. <laughs> the, in, the entire time. Um, so lovely, lovely match day, really high scoring. Um, we saw, we're, we're kind of starting to see teams cement themselves in certain positions. Of course, it's still early days and, yeah. you know, three points does absolute bits for a team. But we're starting to see the tone being set a little bit. I think we can get a good understanding of who's going to be in the top 10 and who's going to be in the bottom 10. Other than that, I mean, each game counts. So I'm really excited to be tuning in, especially for the next match today. Man, it's going to be a hoot and a half. Definitely. Questions. Woo! Where's the Where's the Jimmy Fallon theme song? We said we'll introduce it by now. Maybe next season, guys. Yeah. So the first question comes from our boy Seb Rousey at S Rousey on Twitter. He asks two questions. Question number one: What is your favorite derby that does not include your team? This is a This is a fucking tough one. Mine would have to be Celtic Rangers, the, the Glasgow Derby. I remember when, when I was living in Scotland. Uh, we're right, man. When I was living you in Scotland. Get it, you lived abroad, man. <laughs> Jesus. Whenever there was the Glasgow Derby going on, I mean, you'd see the, the managers, you'd see the, the head staff as well. Just all taking a, a day off. They'll be at the Niblick pub from 11 a.m., just all the way until the game started, all drunk, they'll all be turning up the day after with a bruise or two or a black eye. Um, <laughs> but I think even historically, aside from the fact that it's always such a heated encounter with a lot of fights, a lot of goals, historically it was the Protestants versus the Catholics. Yes, that's We're, a pretty interesting one. So, you know, and I, I think the first Catholic signed for Rangers, it wasn't, it was around 20 years ago. And so they, they made him take off his chain, right? With the cross or my, something. Did they? Something that's, like that. That's there's, fucking crazy. There's a crazy. whole anecdote that yeah. people enjoy sharing. 
But anyway, mine would have to be, hmm, I think Juvenopoli is a crazy one in my opinion because we've got the North in Turin against mm-hmm. the South in Naples. Now, yeah. these people are completely different culturally and they'll admit it themselves. You know, I actually have... Um, in my class right now, I've got a student from Turin and a student from Naples, and they okay. they constantly bicker, they're constantly fighting. You know, one one thinks the other is a snob, the other one thinks the other is a savage. Yeah, That's how it works, exactly. You know? And it's always fun to see them play against each other because they they particularly hate each other. An honorable mm. mention would be the Derby della Lanterna between Genoa and Sampdoria that always produces a spectacle, and I never quite expect it, and it's always a good game. That's true. That's true. Seb also asks. What, in your opinion, is the most underrated player stat? Hmm. I would say, in this occasion, duels won. Duels won? I I think so. I I would say goal contributions, but that's not exactly uh, underrated at all. Um, When it comes to duels won, you're looking at 1v1 man versus man. And it's a matter of balls, it's a matter of intelligence. And I mean... You could really judge a player by how they enter duels, how they get out of duels, and the amount of duels that that they have won. It wouldn't typically, uh, apart from defenders, be something that you know is is spoken about highly. Um, but I definitely think man versus man, you really get to see who the top yeah. player is. So overrated, of course, I would say there is goals, assists, clean sheets, and key passes, in my opinion, because key passes are so vague. It's mm. so like what makes a key pass? You know, like in fact, Chalanoglu had like. The highest key passes in Europe for like a few a few years when it's he was with Milan. To... It's it doesn't make any sense. Um, I would say, in my opinion, the most underrated would be recoveries. Yeah, you know, yeah, I I agree. You know, it's so important. Even as a forward player, it really shows the industriousness of a player. Maybe his production is not as high as everyone else's, but you know, mm. maybe so. F- for example, for Chiesa, he's not a defender, but once he loses the ball, he gains it back. Exactly. So, so th- exactly. those are great recoveries and. Chiesa, in, in particular, he has so many recoveries, and I think in both these match weeks, um, in match match day match day six and match day five, they've both led to goals. One one on his own, and and in this week assisting for a teammate. So definitely important. So, um, would you like to read the second question? Yes, of course. This one's from Steve Colera. Thanks again, my G. Gang gang. So, gang gang. So this is a hot take. First, so he says Juve can still easily. Make top three. Mm, sure, sure. I mean, they could make it. I don't think it'll be an easy task whatsoever. I think if there's a team that can bounce back, it it must be Juve. Um, but I disagree, Steve. And his secondary question, and then would be our top four in Italy. How we predict that the top four is gonna shape up towards the end of the season. So, in no particular order, Jake. Yeah. So I would say my top four would be Napoli, Milan, Come on. Inter. Yeah, for sure. Napoli, Milan, Inter, and I think Juve can do it, but I think they won't this season, man. They they definitely can. They can. But I don't think they will. I think the top that I'm going to mention with a few honourable mentions below them are just better sides this season and it's still early which is the whole premise of this of yeah. this question as well um, so who'd be the fourth team for you? Atalanta I agree 100% in the beginning of the season I said Lazio but I'm kind yeah. of predicting streakiness here and there as well but I would definitely say 
I think I'll give it an order as well. Okay. I think I would say Napoli, Milan, Inter, Atalanta. I think I think um, Milan will get very close to Napoli at the top. I think yeah. that, I think there'll be a bit of a gap and then between Milan and Inter, but I see Inter and Atalanta battling it out, and then I see fifth being fucking up for grabs. That's fifth and sixth yeah, spot. I yeah. see Lazio, Roma, Juve, Fiorentina, all battling it out for that spot. Yeah. Um, I think that Juve can definitely do it, and they have done it in the past, as we've discussed. But, you know, the competition's fierce. Um, we've seen what Atalanta can do once they get rolling. They have Muriel back now. They've got Coop Miners in the middle. Their depth is good. Um, they have. They might have a long-term serious Gossens injury. Um, mm. He went out in the Champions League today. Um, Juve currently have Dybala and Morata injured. We'll see what they can do without them, you know. But that's the thing that's missing in that Juve team, a number nine. And the others, the other teams are more complete than Juve. No, no, I mean... I mean Atalanta alone, yeah. up front, they've got, they've got Zapata, Muriel behind them, they've got Pessina, Malinowski, Miranchuk, yeah. and all these dudes. So, this, I, I know that it's team versus team, but when you start looking at the individuals that each team hosts, I don't think Juve are currently up there with, with, those, with those top four. When it comes to team, I wouldn't even say top five, but they, they could do it, man, and... To be honest, I wouldn't exactly be pissed if they do. I like I like a nice comeback as well. They did it last season. It was very entertaining. Down to the fucking wire. Napoli missed out marginally on the final match day. So, I, I don't know. I might hope you're right. The next question is from our friend Farinho at Farinho underscore 10. He asks, does Alexis Salamakers need to be replaced in the starting 11 by a new right winger or does he have the quality to take the team forward? Matt. So I think if you were to grab Salamakers and compare him to most right wingers uh, that you know would would um, consider moving to Milan, a lot of them might have the upper hand over Alexis when it comes to technical abilities, phys- physicality, goal contribution, so on and so forth. But for this particular system and for this project, I think Salamakers is one of the most important players in the team. 22 years old. Should he grow within the system? I see him having longevity at the club as well. Yeah. He's he's one of one of Milan's best players, a hundred percent this season, and I'd love to see him stay on a bit more. And when he's on, he's not just a passer and a wide player. He's, his contribution has been cutting in a lot. We've we've seen him come down the left on the last on, on this match there as well. We've seen him come down the middle as well, getting a couple yeah. of goals, getting a couple of assists. Now I'm I'm happy with Sally. I'm very happy with him. He's extremely versatile, he's extremely industrious, he's, he's creative, he's a good player. I think that, um, I don't think he'll be the priority to replace. I think a striker needs to come in still. Yeah. Um, you know, Juru and Debra are aging, um, Pellegrini's still young. I think if the opportunity arises, maybe, you know, as we mentioned, Vlaovic before, um, mm. if he's, you know, a free agent, Milan might want to take that Why opportunity. Not, yeah, like... of course. And Bellotti, of course, is a name that's always mm-hmm. there. Quite a few, quite a few options, and also um, the fact that Real Madrid have, you know, Brahim on a dry loan, yeah, really worries me. It concerns me, and I think that they will eventually take him. So eventually, Milan will have to buy an attacking midfielder, yeah, I a would... trequartista kind of. I think that will be the priority for sure. And and I think that 
Brahim is more replaceable than Salamakers at the moment. That might be a mm. bit. That might be a bit of a, <laughs> a, stretch, a, yeah. a claim and a half. But yeah. I, I still think that Salamakers makes such a difference. Not that guy's not that Brahim doesn't. He's he's fucking fantastic. But I think that Salamakers is more fine tuned to the Milan squad. Um, I think I think in a cam role we saw Chalnoglu do bits in cam. Now we're seeing mm. Brahim do bits in cam. Before Salamakers we saw Castillejo not doing bits. Um, we Suso saw Suso yeah. not doing bits towards the end of it. it towards a, the end yeah, of his, yeah, yeah. towards the end of his Milan career, he wasn't great at all. We saw John Paolo try to play him in Cam as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I keep Salamakers on, and if Brahim leaves, which I hope, I really hope he doesn't, um, we'd we'd need to get ourselves yeah. a central attacking. I have to say, I disagree with you about um, the fact that you saying that Salamakers is more important than Brahim. I don't think so. I think Brahim's a special and unique player. I think I think Salamakers is good. Don't get me wrong, but I, I if I had to get rid of one of the two, I think I'd keep Brahim. I I, I disagree with you, man. It's okay. it's a it's a really close one. Don't get me wrong, it's a very okay. close one. I love Brahim, especially for his size as well. Before we would see players outmuscle him, but he's giving the ball these extra few touches and taking it away from yeah. them, putting it through their legs. He's been really intelligent and he's getting the gist of Italian football at the moment. But Salamakers, man. Salamakers all the way. We've seen him be really confident recently. Yeah. Uh, we see him charging forward, cutting in, going out. He's a beast. And yeah. we also saw him... We've seen Brahim do all these things and score goals as well. And yeah, assist, you know? as well. But he is more of an advanced player than Salamakers. Salamakers' yeah. main feature wouldn't be his goal contributions, yeah. but that doesn't make him any less important of course, than no. Brahim is. Yeah. And we've also seen um, uh, Salamakers play right wing back for the Belgian national team, doing bids there. And I think moving forward, if we want a versatile team, we might be swapping to a 3-5-2 every now and then. And we might see, we might see Salamakers slot, slot into that position a couple of times. Perhaps. And the last question comes from Milan Club of DC, at Milan Club of DC on Twitter, of course. This is our friend Nathan, and he asks, what are you drinking today and how do you, <laughs> how do you rate it? I love that, man. Yeah. Um, today, in particular, we, we were not having wine, we didn't have any. I'm afraid yeah. we, we should have done the, the shopping. I think it was my turn and I just didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking Summersby today, some nice sparkling spritz cider. And I'm, I'm enjoying it, I'll give it, I'll give it a solid... Um, 7.5 out of 10 7.5 because it, it tastes really nice but it doesn't get me smashed as I'd like to be yeah I'm drinking kidney spritz Woo-woo! well I've had one kidney spritz this is um, a Maltese drink of course um, kidney is a traditional soft drink over here and I guess this would be our take on the popular Aperol spritz but I've also had Summersby you know um, Blackberry. This is actually Sarah's leftover cider. Yeah, that we're yeah, it, it, it is, but fuck it. Um, how many calories does the kidney spritz have? We mentioned it on our on our trip the other day. You're putting me on the spot. I'm as blind as a bat. Can you take a look? I'll have a look. Calories, calories, calories. Twenty twenty vision. One hundred and seventy calories. Oof. Yep. Yeah. Ben, we need to go to the gym tomorrow, bro. Drink water. Drink water. So thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. This was Seria A Spotlight. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Seria A Spotlight. Um, drop us your questions, your hot takes, of course. We appreciate you listening. Guys, if 
these episodes are slightly too long for you. I'm not telling you we're going to shorten them out at all because we're not. We have a lot to talk about. But visit our Instagram page, really, Seri, at Seria Spotlight on Instagram, um, where we post a couple of a couple of reels, really, about players we talk about, hot takes that we've got. So make sure yeah. to tune in there. Maybe it'll make it a bit more consumable for you. And remember to send over your questions as well. We've also got a special episode coming in the international break where we'll be doing a tactical kind of analysis on each team in Serie A, kind of introducing the newcomers to kind of the important players on each team, the systems they play, the coach, history, you know, results, expectations, yeah. things like that, to help out new listeners. This is thanks to one of our new followers as well, Kevin from the UK. Kevin, thank you very much for this. Man, we'll definitely take this on board and get some more people into Serie A, much like you are. Thank you very much and goodbye.